You ever have one of those moments when your face starts getting red, you can feel that vein bulging on your head and throbbing with every passing second, and you just don't know what to do? Well, that's called stress. Today, Albert and I are going to talk about it. Let's work it out. John, on a scale of 1 to 10, how stressed are you feeling in, in this moment? At this exact moment. At this exact moment. I would say 7. 7, okay. And where is that stress coming from in your life? I would say maybe 10 to 20% is coming from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20% coming from financial management. Mm-hmm. And the remaining coming from interpersonal relationships. Okay. Albert, how about you? What's your stress level like right now? Right now, probably a 6 out of 10, which is not bad. That's I not mean, bad. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest stresses that I feel is actually a lot from work. Um, the work environment. You know, patients don't really stress me out that much. It's the work environment that stresses me out. What about the work environment? The people so, that you work with? Yeah, people I work with... Um, especially oh my god if they're listening they're gonna be they're not gonna feel too good about that are they i mean they already know i already tell them i'm like hey you (laughs) you doing this is not helping me out right now i've 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 been pretty vocal about it but you know there's some there's such things as like constructive criticism and then there's some things that some people say that just literally cuts you to the core with the intent of that you know that korean mentality break you down and so that you can rebuild and become stronger that's what they do and i think it is the worst thing you can really do to someone no i agree i think constructive criticism is always good because it helps you to improve um but i i I think even getting constructive criticism is a little stressful at times but yeah let's let's talk more about what's making you stressed and why it's stressful uh, I think for like, okay, I'll give one example. Like I can see 15 patients and, you know, 14 out of 15 patients will have very like positive, you know, feelings towards me or whatever. But then let's say there's that one patient who just doesn't like me and that can happen. You know, we talked about in previous episodes, not every patient is going to like you or any patient is going to like you. But, um, I've had a boss or a manager tell me like, what happened with this patient? Why were they so frustrated? Why did they leave so unhappy? And, you know, they pick out one small thing and they keep drilling into it. It's like, if you don't fix this, I can't give you patience because patients won't like you. Patients don't like you. How can I trust you with this work? And, you know, as doctors, too, we make mistakes sometimes, too. Let's say we do a filling and it's not the best filling in the world. It's not like a perfect dimension or everything like that. And because of that, I take it so, so much to heart. It stresses the crap out of me. I mean, have you had those instances in the clinic or even in your work life too where someone just nails that one imperfection or what one bad day or that one bad instant just makes you feel like you're worthless lately no uh in the clinic i can't think of any specific examples but in my current job i don't have that thank god but i remember in my previous job after i left the clinic so this is my second non-clinic job before I used to have a micromanager Mm -hmm. so this person would microscopically manage everything 
So everything had to be perfect in their way. You know, everyone has a different way of doing things. Everyone sees things as good through their own subjective lenses. But I had to do everything right by her book. Like, one thing. So, like, if I'm... If we're creating, like, a presentation and we're going to work on a presentation, we have to create some slides. Mm-hmm. So then she would microscopically tear that apart, saying, oh, like, this this thing right here, like, a specific word positioning or a period. She would grill me on that and, like, give me such a hard time. And I was, I did not like it. And that was stressful. And this stress wasn't the type of stress where, you know, I was feeling down or anything. I was angry. It was like the really bad kind of stress that made me feel so bad to the point that it was kind of spilling out onto other people as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had that. It's not fun, but yeah, glad that's over. So let's bring it back to our previous like, history, like when back when we were in New York together. I mean, this micromanager, you, I, I remember when you were stressed out because this is when we were getting to know each other. Yep, and you and I and our friends, whenever we met, we would always talk about what was stressing us out. And you know, me and a couple other friends who were dentists would talk about you know certain patients who were frustrating. But we also mostly complained. I remember Casey Young; um, he probably complained more about how the schools run. We got a lot of stress from like the school system, and we would always just complain and bitch about it to you. And like, how do we? Just to, just so that everyone else knows, how do we manage that stress? Oh, oh. Uh, I mean, typically we we did the thing that isn't recommended by healthcare professionals. We drank it. We drank our problems away. Literally every single weekend we got together, we talked about our problems, we cheers, we drank, and then the problems just went away temporarily. Yeah. Until the next Monday rolled around. But that's that's one way that we handle stress. I mean, looking back at it, though, it's, of course, it wasn't always the best way to do it. But now we're at the point where since we're not in the same geographic location, we can't do that anymore. Do that anymore. So we could technically do it virtually, but we just choose not to. (laughs) Yeah, because we're not that stressed to that point. Yeah, we're not as stressed as we used to be. I can definitely admit that we have other stressors right now. But these are, at least in my opinion, much more insignificant compared to what we used to face. And speaking of clinical stresses, I just kind of remembered one. So in New York, oh my gosh, I remember there was like this one patient who was refusing treatment, like just refusing treatment, like didn't want to get, take any of the medicine that we're telling them to take. And, you know, they don't have to, if they don't want to, we can't force them to. It's unless they were being like hostile or aggressive, but they weren't, but this guy, he just kept on insisting that he wants natural herbal medicine. And then we were like, we don't do that here. <laughs> he's like, well, just there's a CVS across the street. Go get some. I'm the patient. You have to get it for me. And we're all like pulled, ripping our hairs out. So that I remember that kind of patient really stressed me out. Really stressed me out. And there was other patients that come in that, they, that self-diagnose themselves. And they come in and you, you ask all these questions like, well, based on your history, I think you have, I don't know, we say something. And he's like, well, I looked it up on the internet. And I actually think I have this. Are you sure? And we have to talk and explain, like, okay, why do you think that? And then kind of like say our reasoning and say, okay, so this is what we think. Let's try this first and see if it works. And we'll circle back with you. But they just wouldn't take no for an answer. 
those patients really kind of irked me. Yeah, I, I we had a lot of patients like that in dental school. I mean, if a tooth is broken down, for example, like for example, like if a tooth is broken down so much to the point that you can't do a filling on on it, of course you have one of two options: either do a crown pull or it. pull the tooth, or pull it exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it's that really iffy stage where patients are just, it's such a waste of a good tooth to just pull it because otherwise they won't be able to chew or eat. And we explain to the patient, hey, I strongly recommend you save this tooth because you're going to be using it for the next 30, 40 years of your life. No, just pull it out. And then (laughs) after you pull it out, um, sometimes we just are like, okay, you know, we'll pull it out and we pull it out. And then they're just like, they com- come back and they complain like, I can't eat my food. It's like, what have I been saying to you for like <laughs> two hours chair side? Like, hey, save the tooth, save the tooth. No, I don't want to save it. And now you're coming back and saying, I can't eat. That's not my problem anymore. You did not listen to what I re- advised you or recommended to you. And I remember Casey had a lot of patients like that too. And Teo had a lot of patients like that too. And it's just like, yeah, oh, those. Gosh. that's how we blew the stress. We drank and we talked about it, but yeah i mean that's that's one way uh we're we're gonna talk about some other ways um, other than drinking because there's a lot of better alternatives but before we go into that let's talk about the different types of stress so i've mentioned stress that can make me angry right that's that's one form of expression uh, when we get stressed what are some other forms of expression that you've had uh i've had stress that made me feel anxious like you know like a lot of the stress that I felt when I first started working, I have a manager. She's much nicer than what she used to be, but uh, she's still kind of mean sometimes. But, you know, she sometimes uh, says stuff like, what did you go for dental? What did you do in dental school? What did you learn in dental school? How do you not know this? And, you know, if I make one small silly mistake, it all of a sudden, end, it's like the end of the world. Like that made me anxious. It's like it made me question my validity as a doctor, like the validity of my $600,000 degree that sits on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you when you mention anxiety, I think that's such a common thing that happens because of stress these days. And I totally forgot about the anxiety attacks I was having before my board exams or or school exams or any sort of exam. I remember like this one time I was, I think it was for USMLE step one. I was going to, it's, so USMLE step one, I don't know how it how it is now because of the whole um, pass-fails grading score for step one. But back then, your USMLE step one scores essentially determined what kind of residency program you can get into, mm-hmm. right? So if you have like a higher score, there's more doors that are no, more options that you can choose from. And if you have a lower score, then a lot of doors get closed and you have to close that chapter of the book. I remember like right before I, I was going to write the exam or the night before the exam, I was pacing. You know, my heart was pounding. I like my vision, like you had like these black curtains kind of coming in from the peripheries and I was losing sight of like what's in front of me. Uh, I was breathing really fast. So that was one really scary experience I had with stress. So anxiety, definitely, definitely. If There has to be really good ways to kind of Manage. cope with these different things, right? So we talked about angers, um, anxiety, and there's also the other other one, which is, you know, depression and crying. Some people get extremely depressed and cry when they get stressed. I remember when I was younger, if I get super stressed, I used to cry. 
not just like a couple of tears running down my face, like bawling, crying. Like I'd have tears running down my face, like super thick snot coming down my nose and my nose, entire nose would get plugged. And I essentially be talking like this all the time because I couldn't speak properly because of all the excretions or secretions that are coming out of every single hole in my face, essentially. Um, that was one. Uh, and it happens too if you get your test results back like right before you open a test your 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 report card or your you know if you go on the web on whatever that i can't remember what the name was but whenever you get an exam uh well you get an email saying that exam scores are released and then you go and open it up on the web page and then you see your score and you are so stressed up until that point so regardless of what the score is like it could be good it could be bad that a lot of people just end up crying Right? I saw where some people leave the exam room crying because that's their way of handling that stress. I don't know. I've never had I've never had a stress like that. Oh, I'm you've never crying. actually cried from stress? Mm-mm. No way. Yeah. So I used to cry a lot. I, like I'm a very tearful guy. So sometimes when I get really angry, I cry. Sometimes when I get really happy, I cry. Sometimes I'm just sitting in my room and I just cry for no reason at all. So I'm just a guy who has a lot of tears. Um, huh. And when I, I get stressed, it's. That. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't go around announcing it to the world. Like, I, mean, I guess I did now, but uh, yeah, it's it's one way. So you know, we have anxiety, we have crying, we have anger outbursts. There's so many different ways, and with all those that we just talked about, what coping mechanism or what relief mechanism worked best for you? Other than drinking, because we're trying to promote, I guess, some good ways. We don't want every single person to be like, oh, I'm stressed. Well, what did Albert and John do? They just drank five bottles of soju each. We can't, we can't do that. So some good ways. What were some really healthy ways that you de- dealt with stress? Some positive ways I dealt with stress is, you know, having a good support, like friend support group, like talking with friends, like, I sometimes when I have like, you know, clinical issues or if I have personal issues, I come to you or I talk to like my parents about certain things and then and our friends too. Like I ask them for their advice. I mean, you and Casey have lived a couple years more than me. So you guys have experienced more things in life than me. So like that's why I come to you guys about certain things. Um, another like way that I found a way to kind of cope with the stress is, you know, kind of mentally hyping myself up and saying like okay what can i get out of the stress like what am i being stressed for like for example like let's say i'm stressed about looking bad to one of my managers like because let's say a case i did didn't turn out the best and the patient's complaining about it i try to take that and make it into a learning experience and tell myself okay if i don't want to repeat the same mistake again this is what i have to do and i, I try to make myself better which is good to a certain extent but if you are you know mulling over the details of this current stressor too much that alone becomes an even bigger stress so it's finding that mm-hmm. right balance yeah it could just be a, a, a continuous negative feedback loop exactly yeah, exactly right um yeah i think you mentioned a good point just talking it through with others that's really important like they they have that term bottling it up inside and you don't want to keep things bottled up because it's like Imagine it's uh, it's a kettle and you're boiling water in it. Eventually, the pressure is going to increase because of the steam that's being generated. You have to be able to release it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just a walking time bomb. 
I know that I also like to talk to a lot of different people about the things that are bothering me. So whether it's like interrelational issues or school stressors like imposter syndrome, especially during like the clinical rotational period, just talking it out with other people and letting them know that that's how you're feeling. And sometimes hearing that other people feel that too, it kind of validates the feelings. So Mm -hmm. you don't feel like, okay, this is weird. Like, why am I feeling this way? And not even if they don't provide you with solutions, just knowing that other people out there are also experiencing the same thing. I think that's very therapeutic. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, we, we've both gone through that, especially when I was going through clinical rotations and you were going through your first yeah, like, too. non-clinical job. Even even during my clinical rotations, imposter syndrome is super real, man. Oh, I mean, what I what I meant was like, uh, like uh, you were going through your first non-clinical job and you were trying to find your way to adjust your life. And mm-hmm. we, like Teo, Casey, and me, like we were trying to find our... We were adjusting from the academic life, like just studying only into mm-hmm. studying and seeing patients. So it's like tr- we were trying to find that balance, too. And, you know, we just kind of talked about it because you went through med school and you finished before we've graduated dental school. So you already yeah. had uh, gone through that. So you were telling us like, oh, how you managed it, which it kind of helped us. I mean, it kept us sane. Yeah. Knowing that you're not going through something alone is kind of really powerful. It's half the battle, I think. Yeah. And when you when you feel like you're. When, you're fe- when you feel like you're fighting something by yourself and you don't have any allies, you know, that's, that's very lonely, right? And loneliness just adds on to the stress. So, no, it's really good to talk things out. Okay, so uh, what about you, Young? Like, how do you st- handle your stress? Uh, one way that I think I handle my stress is by swearing. Swearing? Okay, yeah, I, 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 feel swear. you, I feel you on that one. Yeah, because <laughs> we swear a lot. I think... Swearing is a verbal way of expressing things that are the negative feelings that you're feeling inside. Instead of instead of outlashing aggressively, so instead of like punching things and breaking things, I think it's much better to just yell fuck. Isn't it? I think so too. I mean, I don't really swear as much as I used to. I'll admit that. Um, yeah, but because your stress level is six right now. Yeah. Get that oh up to a seven and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even when it's a lot too, like I... I try to internalize my stress uh, a lot, and that's not a good thing. But um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like for me, I've had instances where I've had such difficult days. The first thing I do when I get into the office, or when I the first thing I do when I actually here's what happens: I bottle it up as much as I can throughout the whole day. The moment I open the car doors, I close the car doors. I turn on the engine, look around, make sure no one can hear me, and I just start yelling at the top of my head. Like, and then after I get that out of my system, I drive. Because I, obviously, I don't want to be distracted when I'm driving. But and mm-hmm. there are days where I drive. And that's like two important hours. too. I I think that's really good that you're doing that because if you didn't do that before you drive, that's what contributes to road rage. Right, road rage can is one of the causes of increases the probability of you getting in an accident. And it's just you displacing all that stress and anger and negativity on the road, endangering your life and other people's lives. But I do the exact same thing. I sometimes I when I feel extremely stressed, I go into like a secluded area and I just yell at the top of my lungs. And it's not just like a a Hulk yell. There are usually words. You know, it's like they start with an F a B, an A, an S, like, 
a plethora of cursive words that you can ever think of. Oh, yeah. That's, those are my go-to. <laughs> I mean, after you do that, how do you feel? That's I one feel better. thing I want to ask you. I much feel better. better, right? Yeah, I feel much yeah. better. But of course, after I do that, my vo- voice is also really like hoarse. Like I was calling one of my <laughs> friends from college and he's like, Albert, were you crying? I was like, no, man, I wasn't crying. I just, I was just like letting some stress out. So you were crying. <laughs> no, I wasn't crying. Stop making this about crying. I wasn't crying. Yeah, I think it's, it definitely does damage your vocal cords if you're going all out on that. But, but what do you think about swearing and the negative I guess just the negative impressions that people have when they see someone swear like it's important we, we both talked about how important it is right it helps us feel better when we're stressed it's a form of it acts like a valve to release all that internal negative pressure that we're having but then when so many people view you swearing and kind of stigmatize that and put such a, like, a negative connotation around that isn't that weird? It's in the professional work setting, which I mean, we're at our jobs from basically nine to five, eight to five, eight to six, whatever. A, a large chunk of our day is being seen around people isn't the workplace. Obviously in the worst workplace, we can't just go around using swear words every other like mm-hmm. sentence because yeah, you'll get fired. People understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also the thing is it's considered like unprofessional. I mean, it puts people swear because like you said it's a valve to release stress right yeah and people understand that but if you're using a swear word every sentence they're gonna say oh this person has a lot of um has no inhibition exactly and they're, they're gonna be like oh this person has what's the english word for pulman like this person is trying to find a reason to bitch about every little thing yeah yeah there's i can't think of the exact specific word but there is that by swearing a lot you can give off that impression to people and that really overall in the long run negatively affects your professional image and it doesn't allow you to get a lot of respect from a lot of people and sometimes you need well you always need that respect in that workplace in order to have a functioning workplace yeah pulman unsatisfied unsatisfied that's the word yeah so unfulfilled yeah unfulfilled unsatisfied so they're just angry at everything that's the kind of image that you can you can give off. And I think that's that's good. So swearing is okay, but because swearing is not acceptable language in a lot of different settings, you can't do it like you can't be in the hospital seeing a patient and then something triggers your stress and be like, God fucking damn it. Like you can't do that. It has to be done, you know, properly. They have to be in a secluded area where you're by yourself or an area that's not going to offend anyone. And then that could be a way to release your, release your stress. Like for you in the car, for me in the shower sometimes, right? (laughs) So it could be, it could be anywhere as, but as long as it's not in the workplace, because people do get offended by that. Like, uh, there could be areas where there, there are children and you don't want children to hear that. So you have to be very mindful of the location and setting and the environment that you're in, but we're both in agreement that this is a good form of stress relief. In in uh, the right dosage. Yeah, in moderation and when used appropriately. So, so I'm actually going to bring bring up this point. Have you noticed that the people who swear the most are people who work in the health profession? Uh, it's not even the health profession, actually. Uh, a lot of like engineers, a lot of computer scientists, um, 
a lot of mathematicians actually swear a lot. So mm -hmm. any so I read this paper a long time ago that was talking about this, and it was saying that vulgar language is more commonly used by people who are more immersed in intellectual environments. So people who are using the brains more end up swearing more. And it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, so you would for me, I would have imagined before reading that, I would have imagined that, you know, like a really athletic jock who just focuses all his attention on you know, physical strength and physical performance, um, athletic capabilities, I would imagine that they would swear more just even just by stereotypically kind of looking at their appearance and the, the presence that they have. It's like, okay, this person looks scary. They're probably going to talk scary too. But that's not the case. It turns out these very, you know, just by looking at them, they look very smart. Like these people end up swearing a lot more. And that, that was surprising to me. In like my background, you know, working with a lot of dentists and then when I was a dental student, you would not believe how foul mouth dentists are. Hey, that's a pun. <laughs> foul mouth doctors cleaning the foul mouths. Exactly. I mean, oh God, you would, you'd be, I mean, I had a friend, she was this tiny Asian girl. Mm -hmm. Looks, looks nerdy, you know, just small, petite, whatever. And then whenever she got pissed, the words that came out of her mouth, my God, it made me want to like apologize on her behalf for the stuff that she was saying. I'd be like, Wow. I never knew that a small girl like that could be so vocal about her anger. I remember I thought the same thing. Uh, back in undergrad, there was this really nice looking, and by nice looking, I don't mean like attractive, uh, just very kind and timid looking individual. And that person, I think their major was actuarial science or stats or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they looked like they wouldn't harm a fly. They looked like when they speak, uh, like it'd be like the choir. You'd hear like birds chirping in the background and everything. Like they just looked like they were the son of Jesus, if there was one. <laughs> like they looked so kind, right? You could slap them on the face and they used to smile and be like, it's okay. You must be having a bad day. I hope you feel better. Like they looked like that kind of person. Right. But when they were studying, I remember in the library, so I went outside to get a cup of coffee and that same individuals talking to their friends and talking about how crazy this course is and how crazy the professor is expecting them to memorize all these different things and the things that were coming out of that person's mouth was insane i've never heard so i regard myself as someone who swears quite frequently and i believe i swear pretty well but this guy just was on a whole nother whole other level like i was playing it became in, an art form yeah i was playing in the minor leagues and this guy was like all the way in the major leagues right when i heard him i was just like you know i was amazed i was shocked but i was amazed i was like wow this this guy really this guy like the words are coming out of this guy's mouth it, it almost looked like i was watching this like anime with english dubs like the words didn't match his mouth as it was speaking in my eyes at least i was like i just couldn't believe it my mind was blown but no it's like a lot of smart people they use their brains a lot they're not so athletes, I would think that they get they release a lot of their stress through physical activity. And that's one thing that I want to touch on next. But the intellects, they oftentimes just use their brain. And that's their comfort. Their comfort is to think and to express, them, express their thoughts. So 
in this in a similar manner they're going to relieve their stress in that way where they're expressing their thoughts and that's through the use of vulgar words i think that's 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 why i like to believe at least so we talked about the different types of stress that you can get when you can get the stresses how you can relieve some of that stress but what about so this might be a little controversial but i honestly don't believe that all stress is bad stress i believe that some stress can actually put you in a position of success and i think you kind of touched on this a little bit yeah i i think yeah so for me i like a small level of stress because for me i have this maybe i'm just really messed up in the head but i like having a little bit of stress like if i was to have an ideal stress level it'd be, probably be around a three or four out of ten because this stress level kind of acts like a little fuel like that little yes motivation it kind of gives you a little boost where okay i'm here right now i'm not satisfied where with what i'm at right now i want to pursue something even greater or higher mm -hmm. using that stress to kind of propel me forward i think that's it's a very good way a good effective um, method yeah and i think stress in that case is like an indicator of you wanting more like you're you have a drive you have ambitions you have goals and because you're you haven't attained those goals then you're stressed because that's something that you want and it's something that you don't have like if you were to go write an exam with absolutely no stress have you seen kids with no stress before a final exam? They don't study. What happens to them? I've seen some people that actually, majority of the people, they fail. Right. Or they do very poorly. Right. But, you know, there are some people who are very talented and, you know, they, they're, they're not part of us. They're not humans. Kind of in, yeah. They're, they're kind of out there on their own, in their own little world. But, yeah, stress helps us to perform. It, it, a basal level amount of stress can really motivate us to work harder right to get that thing that's so we identify what's causing the stress this stress is caused for going back to the exam example this stress is caused because i want to do well on the exam so i have this amount of stress because i really want to do well mm -hmm. and then what am i going to do to get rid of that stress i'm going to study so i can do well so some moderate amount of stress i think is really important and it's really good if you're entirely stress-free, I don't know. I think that's going to spell disaster. So not all stress is bad stress. But you have to be able to kind of figure out when it's a bit too much. When you find yourself going to that dark place where you feel like inside your chest, like something something's there and you kind of want to explode, that's not good stress. When you feel your face going really red and you can feel that vein on your temple throbbing up and down that's not good stress if you if you feel your heartbeat going extremely quickly that's obviously not good stress yeah i mean uh for me i that's why i like to have that certain baseline be, that small level of stress because i feel like stress if i don't feel stressed at all that means i'm being lazy I, to me that to myself exactly. it feels like i'm being lazy and i just like or you just don't care you're indifferent exactly and i, I just kind of sit there and and uh, using that stress or building that building that little bit of stress up it kind of pushes me to you know all right here's another thing i have to tackle and then that's how i perceive it how are you able to tell that okay this is a good amount of stress uh versus the times when you had way too much 
right? How how are you how, how are you able to make that distinction? Because the line's not always very clear, and sometimes it's the line is so thin that even like a hairpin could top you topple you over to the other side. Mm. I think what I used to do is, especially in college and dental school. In dental school, third year, we had a we had to balance clinical life with academic life, and there was a point where I so focused so heavily on the academic life that I was neglecting patient care. There's one point I did that, and I tried to like I, I realized that I was making that error, and I tried to bring more of my clinical life into the to my uh, workload. And at one point, I felt literally membu, or like this mental breakdown, where I just felt like I kind of wanted to like an anxiety, like a panic attack. And in my life, I had like three or four panic attacks in my entire 20 years of life. And that's when I realized, okay, having a panic attack means I cannot either handle my, I, it means I can't handle either or of my responsibilities in the clinic or in my academic lifestyle. And I had to kind of push myself away from it and then think about what I could compromise from each of those. Yeah, I could be seeing a patient that two hour session, or I know I'm not doing so well in this class, so I gotta focus two more hours in this class. That's that's just how I had to kind of assess myself. Like I, re I had to reevaluate myself, my mental state, and see what can I compromise in order to bring myself back to a more manageable stress level. Yeah, I think I really like what you said there. It's taking a step back Sometimes if you're in that moment, if you're so stressed out, you can't really assess properly what's causing that stress. So take a breather, step back, get, get some time away from the thing that's causing you stress and then revisit it, right? See what's actually causing you to feel that way and find ways that you can reduce it. And I think that's, that's kind of what I did as well with a similar story so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share mine I mean okay so my story actually you weren't there that night but um this was so my board exams my part two board exams for dental school was on my birthday so the the, the dental part two exams it's for two days the first day is like from nine to three and the second day is like nine to two nine to one mm -hmm. so we take the exam on a Thursday Friday usually um but it was on my birthday and I was so stressed and you know during winter break i think the week before literally it was um new year's eve and tell i was studying with him in a, in his place and he literally walked into the room and he said albert we're gonna go out i said it's a week before the exam you want to go out he said yes and i was just kind of like why why are we doing this we could honestly do this another time like this is our last year of dental school we have to pass the board exams otherwise our degree we're gonna get, get our degrees late and it's gonna be harder to find a job he said no albert you are literally getting your ass out of the chair we're gonna you're gonna go home take a shower dress nice and we're gonna go out and we went to we went to the club on new year's eve a week before my board exams that's when you got covid right yeah that's when i got covid <laughs> I, I swear so I don't know. I, so did that add? Didn't that add more stress? <laughs> yeah, because after I got got back from the exam, I started having like the like it was run. I I I think I took the exams with COVID, and COVID didn't exist at the time, or they didn't um, know oh it was God. COVID. You probably spread it everywhere. <laughs> I am patient zero. No, no, I got it from tail. I, I definitely know he got. I got it from tail, but 
I was miserable. I was taking an exam. I was shivering. And then my on my actual birthday, I just slept. I had made plans. Oh my I think we were supposed to go out too, but then I had to cancel because I just slept all day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was a good way to manage stress. I mean, I literally took myself. I took a step back. I was having mm-hmm. a minor panic attack and I and thankfully Taylor was there and he's like okay we're gonna take a step back we're gonna go to club we're gonna like drink and we're gonna have fun I said okay and that's exactly why it's important to kind of be with other people talk about things because you're not going to be able to recognize that you're having this anxiety attack or panic attack or something you're just probably thinking I'm super stressed I just need to work harder and keep on going Mm -hmm. at this but if someone else is there and they're seeing you like okay this guy needs to take a step back this guy needs to stop like he's clearly something self-destructive yeah right now he's not going to like a good place so thankfully Teo was there and he just kind of pulled you back and said okay screw this we need to get our mind off it and then start afterwards so managing stress super important we talked about some ways how we manage stress uh we talked that's i talked about how not all stress is bad stress but being able to identify when you cross that threshold and everyone's threshold is going to be a little bit different but being able to kind of like manage that very thin line between this is tolerable stress between uh versus this stress is you know detrimental stress uh hopefully you can take something from this and be a bit more stress-free yeah like relax we've um well it's easy to say relax but we've all been there the smartest people in your class have all been there as well. I mean, you're not alone in dealing with this uh, type of emotional roller coaster. So, just go easy on yourself. Push yourself, but don't, but at the same time, go easy on yourself. You got to enjoy the journey too. At the same time. Well, having said all of that, guys, remember: be curious, stay humble, and don't forget, have fun on the journey. We'll, we'll see, see you in the, the next one. one.